What's up, y'all? Will here at Schedule Fly. This is a fun episode with Matt Robb of the Goat Group, and they've got 16 locations in their portfolio. Um, the most recent being the Wild Hare out in Great Falls, Montana, which is opening this coming weekend. Matt's been out there in Montana for about a year or two. Uh, came from Hawaii, where he was at uh, the Dirty Monkey, and uh, he's been at this quite a while. He and his uh, business partners have. They built a great, great company. And um, I think they, as I said, they've got 16 locations, I believe now they've got another opening in Nashville next year. And he's a fun guy. He's a sharp guy. We talked about a lot of good stuff, got into some stuff about investors. And I'm just trying to understand more about how these deals are structured and stuff. So we talked about their investors and how they're compensated and all that kind of stuff, as well as a lot of other things. So uh, they opened this weekend. So it was really nice of Matt to take some time to do this. Hope you all enjoy more of these coming soon. Stay tuned. See ya. What's up, Matt? What's going on, dude? How are you? Oh, man, fantastic. Just uh, gearing up for this grand opening this next weekend. Next weekend, huh? This, this weekend. This weekend, dude. Yeah uh well then okay well do 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 this uh introduce yourself real quick matt uh my name is matthew robb i'm the operating partner for the dirty monkey in lahaina maui and uh, now the wild hair in great falls montana and uh, we have 14 other bars in the portfolio i love it man so dude you're you're uh, i'm laughing you're sitting there with your patagonia on i bet it's cold as heck there <laughs> coming out of hawaii man that's you're you, you're going like polar opposite uh climate there for sure yeah you know you got you got maui you got los angeles got uh montana it's kind of like the golden triangle in a way <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh, man yeah 80 what? degrees and sunny in maui every day to uh you know some pretty harsh winters over here in montana uh but what's what's awesome about it you got seasons up here i'm actually from a smaller town uh, up in the mountains of Northern California, so I'm used to the cold snow. I just okay. had to get my I just had to get my chicken skin back uh, after a few a uh, few months of coldness. How, so, how long have you been there? I've been here now um, a little over a year and then three a year and nine months, so almost two years. What's in Great Falls? So, Great Falls is very well known for uh, to be a military base town. We're an Air Force base, Air National Guard town as well as farming and ag. Okay. Um, that, those are, are basically our, our things that go on here. Um, and it's actually a community that is very driven in now the growth, uh, you know, of, as of Montana. Um, yeah. We're not a Bozeman or Bozangeles, as they call it. We're yes. not a whitefish, as you know, famous haven. So we're more of that working class collar down here. Um, but what's cool about Great Falls is growing. And no matter what, you're going to grow to some extent. And with growth means there's things that are missing or lacking. And uh, we saw a great opportunity to be able to add something uh, to this amazing town. Um, you know, something that we were really good at. Tell me about the new place, man. So the new place is uh, it's actually a really cool building in the historical district of downtown Great Falls on Central Avenue, 518 Central. Uh, it was formerly known as the Jockey Club in the late 1920s. The building's about 106 years old. 
Um, that became into what we call the new lobby lounge. And that was kind of like Great Falls best dive bar. And it had been that way from the 1970s until we purchased it, um, you know, a couple years ago. And then we've decided to make it into a really cool um, building that's going to have a place for everything from craft beer, whiskey, uh, tequila tasting lounge, cocktail lounge, and then also dancing entertainment with bands and DJs and dancing. Uh, this building is an abandoned hotel. <clears throat> um, there's two floors above me that uh, have 25 rooms per floor. It's 9,300 square feet per floor. So you take that into the basement. We got four floors of 9,300 square feet. So it's a large, large building. Wow. What's a, okay. So abandoned hotel. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, how long has it been abandoned? So the hotel uh, had been abandoned right around the 19, early 1970s when Carl Heisman, the guy that we bought it from, he bought it. And uh, they had living like a few apartments up there that were livable. So a few people in town lived up there, but then like around 1979, they got, you know, kind of, um, what do you call it when you're, uh, you can't go up there. It's basically off limits just because of oh, the living quarters. Uh, and then it's been sitting vacant ever since then. One really cool fact about this building is we're one of the most haunted buildings in all of Montana. <laughs> so we've got some, we got some ghost activity here on a, on a, on a daily basis. It's just pretty cool. So you're going to eventually then, I mean, you got all these, it's uh, the footprint or the layout up there is rooms. I would imagine you guys are eventually going to just what gut it and, and uh, use the space uh, for. A, a yeah. Different I mean, right now the focus is getting this main floor up and profitable. I mean, yeah. we've uh, we spent some money, uh, you know, some capital getting this up and where it's going. We need to see the return now. And then the second phase would be going down into the basement, which is the exact same footprint as the main floor and doing like a speakeasy uh, down there. So a really cool speakeasy style in the basement. And then the third phase will be eventually probably a few years down the road because it is such an undertaking is to go upstairs and we'll probably do some type of event center uh, event space. Uh, and then the third floor or I'm sorry, the fourth floor, then making into probably some, you know, I would say higher end apartments that you can actually rent out for the event space. So if you're having a wedding up there, you're having whatever, the bridal party can have their own space upstairs. They have, you know, you could rent the bar downstairs for the after party and you can have a speakeasy for, you know, the after hours. I mean, whatever, there's so many different options. Uh, right now, the focus is just getting the main floor profitable. Mm -hmm. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So you've been there a year and, um, what's uh what's been happening in great falls man i mean i would imagine that the, you mentioned growth like seems like the perfect kind of place because i mean particularly with covid people so many people have realized they can they can work remotely and towns like great falls are super attractive it seems like these days like small towns like that that maybe are not you know on every like the national radar as much but like that's kind of the perfect place if i were going somewhere i'd want to be somewhere like that that's not already hit all the you know, yeah, growth, uh, things that come along with that. So, it seemed, I mean, how many people are there in Great Falls? We have about 67,000 okay. here in the town. Like I said, our main uh, is a military. We have Air Force Base. Malmstrom Air Force Base is a very well-known Air Force Base within the community and within the country. Um, and we also have Air National Guard. 
Montana is one of the most, you know, high secret missile silos locations in the United States. Um, and mm. so we have a ton of silos throughout the state of Montana and within a driving range of where we're at in Great Falls. So it's a big, big deal here. Uh, people come from all over the United States and stationed here. Uh, husband, wife, families. And one of the things about the base is your median age group is anywhere between, you know, 21, 18, 21 to 35, 45. And, you know, there's, there's really nothing that's really cool for them to do here. So when we came to Great Falls, you know, it was kind of like, what can we add that's not already here? What are, what are we good at? And so we came up with this idea of the space and, you know, we, we've had our soft opening, our friends and family this last week. And, you know, the word that's getting out so fast is just amazing. People are, are excited and for something new and something that that is actually, you know, here that can add to what's currently here. Um, but the cool thing is, is like, you know, Great Falls being a small town, you're centrally located. You know, you're four hours from Whitefish. You're two and a half hours from Bozeman. You're two and a half hours from Missoula. You're about three and a half hours from the Canadian border. So we're very centrally located here. Uh, and that makes a cool destination. And we have an international airport. It's a small airport, but it's international because of Canada. So we're getting a lot of those type of things coming down here. I got you. So, okay. So it's new. It's exciting. You guys will be crushing it for a while. And then um, other places will open or whatever will happen. You guys got to execute long-term. And, uh, that's the thing I'm always fascinated with. It's like new places open, everybody wants to go. And so you got to deliver and then you got to deliver again and again and again. So, and a lot of that's people, right? I mean, yeah. Tell me about that, about that part of the process here. You guys really good at finding good people and keeping good people. Yeah, you know, we we uh, we're very lucky in the way that we we have a, a really good culture within our company, and by that I mean that we you know with us partners, uh, we we try to create a culture within the company where people don't want to leave. Um, and and one of the cool thing about our company is we have we have bartenders that have been with us for ten years. We've got people that have been with us started as you know bar backing, bartending, and now they're owners, they're partners. So. Mm-hmm. We have a very cool, um, you know, culture within the company that allows people to stay with us for a long period of time and advancement. I mean, uh, you know, we're always looking to expand. You know, our newest venture after Montana is Nashville. We, we, we purchased a building in Nashville. Uh, we started demo about three weeks ago. We're looking at opening that early 23, late 22. And we're not going to be in the hustle bustle of the Nash Vegas Broadway area. We're actually going to go east about 10 minutes to a place called Madison. And so right where it's, uh, 701 Gallatin Pike used to be this place, an old Sicilian restaurant called Smeraldo's. And place had been there for many, many years. And we're super excited about that project. But what's why I bring that up is because we actually have bartenders that have worked with us for five to eight years that have moved there, they've gone into different careers, such as a real estate agent. One's a, a, a very famous singer out there. And they, they started with us and yeah. they're now part of this project, which makes it really cool. So Nash, you know, I went to Nashville the first time ever this summer. We took a, I had a bright idea to take my family of five from <laughs> Waxhaw, North Carolina, which is let's call it Charlotte. 
to yeah. in an RV. And uh, <laughs> that was interesting. But we stopped in Nashville. I, it was very different than what I would have expected. You said Nash Vegas. Like, it was – Yeah. I I mean, that whatever the main street is, was Broadway. just Broadway. And there's like, yeah. you know, every – Two minutes. There's a, a double decker bus coming along with, you know, I guess it's like the, uh, isn't it like the capital of the, I think the country for, um, uh, not, bachelor parties, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it was just crazy. We were there in like, you know, early August, middle of the day, weekday. Yeah. It was just, it was overwhelming. I was really surprised. Um, so, but uh, so you guys are not going to be in that because that's like and you got all these bars owned by the country stars. And they put their names on it or whatever. And they're three or four stories. And there's hundreds. of. I mean, it's just it was a little overwhelming. Um, it is. It is. It's it a is. cool freaking town, too. Like everybody I know that that lives there. And I have, I knew several people that live there and they're all like, man, this is like the coolest place in the world to live. They love it. It, it is. I mean, Nashville is Nashville. <clears throat> it's called Nash Vegas for a reason. At nine o'clock in the morning, if you're staying in a hotel downtown, you will have a party bus with a bachelor or bachelorette party on it with music blaring going down Broadway. You have every bar with every major singer that's something right now has their name on it. And it's three and four or five stories. You know, those buildings are going for 16 to $20 million at minimum. So, we don't like, we weren't really into that. We're, we're more into the neighborhood side things. And we go into neighborhoods and we create a space that creates uh, neighborhood values and place where people can come and gather and have a good time. The, the Nashville spot, we went East because of that. And this area, particular area, I'm sure some of your viewers or listeners probably will know Madison is very, very well known as a safe haven for country and music artists, writers, uh, producers that used to be the, the haven for them back in the, like the late sixties into the seventies. And, you know, it went through some culture changes and went through a couple of different changes. Now it's getting its, its name back, but where we're at, you know, there were, we're with the only bar or restaurant within a few miles. So within that neighborhood that is now becoming kind of regentrified per se, new housing's coming in or remodeling old houses, we want to be that neighborhood spot like we are, you know, in other places. Yeah. Well, you mentioned like you're doing the speakeasy, you know, down below um, the basement floor there and things like that. That, that seems to be um, more and more common these days. It seems like people are, and maybe COVID helped this, I don't know, but it seems like people are more into things that, you know, were around a long time ago. Right. Um, right. Particularly in your world. I mean, the cocktail world for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been watching, uh, man, I've been watching Mad Men lately. You ever watch that show? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. God. The yeah they got the classic cocktails in that show. They do. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Indeed. But you kind of miss like, I mean, obviously the, the dudes were, you know, I'm not talking about the way they behave with their, <laughs> their marriages and stuff, but like just the, um, the way yeah. they, the way they did yeah, and live, but it, it's attractive. It's appealing. It's a, you know, yeah. it's, slower pace and it's not such a stiff uptight pace that a lot of us are you know living in now um right. it seems like you guys capture some of that we try to you know we we with us partners there there's four main ones that, my, that are my partner we're four of us total 
And, you know, we obviously now have Sky. We've known Sky for a long time. We're better known as the tipsy bartender. He's now one of our partners in Ryan and Alan, my other partners have known him for over 20 years before he got super famous. He was a bartender at this place called Barney's Beanery in West Hollywood, California. And, you know, having him on the team now with Nashville, with here, uh, with the expansion process, that's actually just brought us to the next level. Um, and we're just now to start looking at, you know, all different places, you know, but like I said, we stay true to our values with the kind of places that we build with the family oriented, the neighborhood side of things, the craft cocktails, the, the craft beer, whiskey knowledge, you know, things like that, that a lot of times when you get into bigger places, it's forgotten, you know, mm-hmm. you're just turning and burning. You're trying to make shots as fast as you can. You're trying to make these cocktails or you get into a place that has too many touch cocktails. It takes you, you know, 10 minutes to make one cocktail or the volume side, you can't really do a high volume there. So we're kind of, I want to say perfected, but we've, we've got a pretty good grasp on how to create uh, menus and cocktails for that type of service when you are busy and, and it's going to appease a lot of different guests, you know, staying true to the classics, your paper planes, you know, your good old, old fashions, your Manhattans, you know, the classics wall was rain free. You know, you can always come in with new stuff, but if you continue to do the classics, people will enjoy them. How about, uh, you guys starting to see, um, more of these spiritless cocktails. Is that something that, or is that just like a fad? I don't personally see that right now. Um, I do believe it will become something. Um, I think more in the realm of the, um, you know, the ganja side of things, when you're opening those type of bars, you're going to have to watch the consumption side because those are starting to become pretty popular. Um, I do am very interested in seeing how, if someone knows to do that, the margins, it's just, I don't know how, the margins would really work because you're not, you're not having those margins, I guess you could say. I mean, I just don't know. It's, it's a little confusing to me. I'm yeah. sure you do it. And I think it's a great idea, especially with, you know, people having a place to go that aren't you know, drinking. You know, I yeah. think that's a really good idea to me though. I think it's a bit of a risk or to us, it's a bit of a risk for our side because I, I just don't see where you're going to get the margins. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Makes sense because the margins are in the alcohol. Correct. Yeah. So if you're not, if you're not using alcohol and you're just using juice cocktails or whatever, you're going to be have to doing so much volume to create that revenue line. I just don't know if you, if you want to put your head out there for that. I, I just, we don't, it's not mm-hmm. our thing, but yeah. I do place for it. If you can figure out, you know, smaller places, maybe it's like a, you know, it's like a wine bar of some sort where you know that your overhead's not super, but um, I, I, for us, it just wouldn't work. Are, do you fund the growth internally or, I mean, do you guys borrow capital to when you're buying these buildings and doing all this, or is it all done because you've. No, we, we fund the, we fund the growth uh, internally. We have um, a group of investors that have been with us from day one. We also bring in new investors. Um, you know, one of the projects like the one in Maui, the dirty monkey, Um, We hit some pretty hard spots with COVID. Um, We've been open just about two and a half years or three years. And, you know, they stuck with us and 
right now they're, they're about ready to get their final, uh, their final check for their investment and everything else. So that's gravy. So, you know, you can't really pinpoint where you're at as far as payback and that type of investment, but you know, a restaurant bar is a long-term investment. And if you're teamed up with the right team that knows what they're doing, it's a pretty safe investment. Now, listen, if we find this every day where someone comes to us and says, Hey, you know, I want to open a bar. I just, you know, I got, I was a cop. I like to drink. I want to open a bar or, you know, I had a construction company. I want to build a bar and where all my friends can hang out. And, you know, you, you got to help but chuckle because you know, running and owning a bar restaurant is not easy and it will take every bit of your capital, no matter what, if you don't know how to read your numbers. I mean, it's just the bottom line. And when you throw food in there, unless you're going for a straight restaurant, you know, bar with a bar food, your margins are so slim that you've got to make sure that you got, you know, your labor's down, your money's not flying out the back door, your prep stuff. So it's just, it's very, very minimal as far as your profit in the food side. And so again, the margins are where your liquor is. Mm, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Tell me about, uh, so you've been there about a year uh, and you guys have your, your grand opening this weekend. Like what do you spend most of your time doing like what does a day look like for you right now i mean i know it's changed obviously because you're getting ready to have this big opening but well you know prior to well that's being construction it's been you know, we're very we're very on uh, on site you know we're very hands-on um to be able to to be able to get things built uh, the way we want them with, with commercial and residential is a lot different because there's so many different factors from flow and how people come to the bar. You got to have enough room between here. So a lot of builders don't understand that. So it's, we're very hands-on. So a day, you know, a day for me would be here meeting the, the GC in the morning, going over the plans for the day and then trying to get out on the golf course in the summer, you know, for a few rounds of golf. But now the last three months being winter, it's a little harder to do that. And we're in crunch time. Um, you know, you put out so much money in capital, you're, you need to see some type of return. So you want to make sure everything's right. So, you know, one of the things we found the hardest right now is just getting bar equipment. I mean, everything sourcing stuff has just been a nightmare this year. Obviously, yeah. we know why, but, you know, from the bar standpoint, sometimes you're waiting two, three, four months for, you know, a speed rail to go in your, in your, into your well. And it's just like, you know, you can't really open without it. So you're kind of just waiting. Um, but now it's, you know, it's morning, noon and night, getting up here, getting, making sure that, you know, the sound system's working, making sure the POS is always, up. you know, our AV system, we have 24 screens, two video walls in this bar. So it's a very complex AV system, one of the most we've ever done. And, you know, making sure that stuff's running right, getting the scheduling right, you know, obviously schedule fly has been a huge help for us. Like running all of our bars, we use you in every one, which is awesome. And, uh, you know, we couldn't be happier, but at the same time, just making sure things are ready. And now we're down to crunch week. We did a soft opening, making sure that the team knows how to make their cocktails, making sure that we have, you know, floor service, the bathrooms are clean, kitchen's ready to go. So just, you know, a day-to-day checkoff list every morning from about 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. is what I'm, what I'm doing. Yeah, I figured so. Is, so with your build out, has it been um, a couple of things I want to ask about that? So with equipment, with, you know, whatever, 10, 15% of, of places have closed over the last couple of years because of COVID, at least that's what we've seen in our customer base. Is there a lot of used equipment out there that's available or is it still just 
do you need new equipment or yeah, they're finding used equipment but really really used equipment like places that have been open for many years that are rusted or not working correctly need to be fixed um mm-hmm. you know, we try to reclaim as much as we can if we go into a place this particular place was a gut i think the only thing we were able to save was a three compartment sink in the kitchen Everything else was pretty much rusted through, falling through the floor, that type of place. Um, mm. I mean, the place has been here for many, many years, so it makes sense. But, you know, with the, the stainless steel shortage in America to companies not having staffing, it was just a compound. I mean, I have a, I have a garage door that's going to be over here for an, an 18-foot garage door that's going to open up into Central Avenue in the summer for, with a pedlet so you can sit outside and drink and eat. It's just lost in America. Nobody can tell me where it's at. I mean, it's just gone. <laughs> and now, yeah, we paid for it. <laughs> and, now, and now they're telling me that if they can't find it, they'll have to remanufacture it. So we're looking at November. So I won't even be have the garage door for summer. So it's just like one thing like that is, you know, it's a little frustrating <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> what about, uh, you mentioned, yeah, yeah like what about, raw materials like wood and all that kind of stuff. I mean, does that yeah. seem like what's happened? Cause you've obviously been playing this a long time. I would think that just throws off a lot of projections in terms of cost for build out. And then you've got, you mentioned your GEC being there, you got labor shortage with these subcontractors that, you know, like guys get yeah. COVID or whatever it is. And nobody shows up. Is it, is it like extended everything and yeah, and, and increase the cost structure of your build out a lot? Yeah, I mean, it extended everything dramatically in the cost structure. You know, when we started this process, wood was, I mean, a sheet applied wood was $84. I mean, imagine what you got to, how many build a bar and how many pieces of wood, reclaim wood, all that stuff, you know. So, you know, we were able to get a permit issued and the prices had came down a little bit, but we still had to put a, a, some more cushion in there for obviously lumber being one. You know, even the FRP that goes in the kitchen, you know, the whites, the white coating that goes on the walls. And that stuff's $40 a sheet. So, you know, it, it, everything is inflated. I mean, from screws, yeah. nails to, to wood to whatever. But what you have to look at is, okay, here's the time frame. I need to get this done by this time to create some type of revenue to start getting the investors paid back. And at that point, you have to have a meeting with everybody and say, what's, what's the plan? What do you guys want to do? And everybody's always, of course, let's do it. Go ahead. Let's figure it out. And so, a lot of times if we raise a certain amount and we end up going over that, you know, us as the partners have to sell some more of our shares because we don't want to dilute the ones that already got in. So we're very, we're very good with our, with our investor partners. Uh, we take care of them really, really well, uh, making sure that once they say they're in for something, they don't have to put anything else in. We'll, we'll, we'll handle it on our end. And, you know, a lot of times we have to loan the company some money and obviously we get a percentage on the, on an interest rate on the back end, but um, you know, nobody's losing their percentage per se. Well, I, let me ask you about that. So when you, you've got investors and you mentioned like the ones in Hawaii are about to get their last check. How does this structure, like, is it not a uh, long-term investment where they have a, a equity in the company that's, you know, 20, 30 year long yeah. plan? It, I, yeah. I mean, everybody's got equity. I mean, you know, for instance, Maui, when we did Maui, we raised um, about 1.5 million for Maui okay. and, we were selling shares at about 60,000 a share. Some okay. people want more shares. Some people wanted less shares. I mean, it just, that's what you do. And we have, like I said, we have a group of investors been with us for a long time. 
So everybody gets first right of refusal. And if we need to go find newer ones, I mean, usually it's not a problem because, you know, obviously the success that we've had. Um, but yeah, it is a long-term investment. You, you tell everybody it is. You never know in the bar and restaurant business what's going to happen. The only thing you can trust is that the operators, which is us, we kind of know what we're doing. We've done this a few times and, and hope to God that, you know, it, it does the same. Um, and, and that's kind of how it works out. But, you know, most places like Maui, we have a 30 year lease. You know, I'll be 74 years old when my lease is up at Maui. I'm 46 now. So <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, 46. So, um, you know, hopefully they, they understand it's long-term investment and, and they'll get their money back. And then everything after that's gravy and on to the next okay, project. So- so do you more aggressive, like do you pay back? So your, your goal is to pay back the principal as quickly Correct. as possible. Okay. Correct. Got it. Got that's the number one goal to get the principal paid back as soon as possible. So everybody can start just getting their, you know, their payments. And once they, you know, getting the principal paid back, having everybody get their money back, everybody's going to be happy because they, they've made back their investment. They didn't lose money. A lot of restaurants, a lot of bars, they lose money or you have to put more money in to keep the operating. So for people getting their money back on their investment, it creates a, a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. And like, what are we doing next? And that's how we've created our investment group is because people understand that like these guys kind of know what they're doing. We feel safe putting our money. Right. And then you go to the next one and you go back to them and say, Hey, now we're up in Nashville, whatever. Do you buy shares in the specific project or is it in? Yeah. Like, okay. Every project has its own LLC. Um, mm-hmm. Every project, has its own uh, tax ID. So it's every project is on its own. You know, obviously we have an umbrella that is just the umbrella, which is called the GOAT group, but yeah. everything that is all separately owned by investors or us. <clears throat> I got you. Okay. But if, if a project was not doing as well as you expected or taking long, like, like Hawaii or whatever, the GOAT group can lend. That's what you're talking about. The goat group could lend it money or do whatever. Cause your focus is making sure that no matter what the specific project issue might be that your investors are. Correct. Okay. I got you. Makes yeah. Sense. I mean, it's very, it's very enticing to our investment group because of the way we, 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 um, you know, make it uh, because we are so good about like trying to make sure that they don't have to put in extra money. You know, if something goes south, you know, it's, I don't want to dilute our investors that, you know, most of them are friends and family. And the last thing you want to do to your friends and family is to go back and say, Hey, I need another, you know, 60 grand from each of you uh, and, exactly. and, and your shares diluted. You don't really want to do that. So right. we find, we find ways to try to get around doing that. Um, so far we've been, we have been able to do that. Uh, we've had a couple projects that went really ballooned over budget and we said, okay, well, this is what we got to do. We can, you know, called everybody and said, this is what we're going to happen. And, and, uh, you know, you guys don't have to worry. We'll get it. We'll get it open. Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, dude, I won't keep you much longer, man. I'm excited for you. That's, uh, sounds like a great weekend coming up. Um, appreciate you taking the time to do this as always good to catch up, man. It's been a while. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, we've texted and stuff like that, but good to see you. You're looking good, man. And, hey. uh, I'm, I got uh, more gray though you know i got a little more gray coming in so <laughs> why uh that's why i don't have a beard anymore man i just <laughs> my all my family's like dude you look like a lot older than you are i'm your age i'm 47 so you know but i you know i grow that beard out i look like 57 or something so um yeah. well i'm not i'm not going to montana uh i'm going to uh 
Wyoming next week, so somewhere relatively close to y'all. I'm taking my high school daughter skiing. You got to come up to Montana. You, you check us out. It's there's it's it's awesome up here. Like it's really really cool. And this, I'd love for you to come at least check out one of our spots sometime, so you can understand, you know, what we do. Obviously, out there in your world, but I mean, you're you're crushing it as well. So congratulations on all your success. Well, you know, uh, thank you, man. It's it's been an interesting couple of years with COVID and and uh, the stuff that happened at the beginning of the year. But no, business is good, and we're, you know, it's, we're having a lot of fun and. Um, I definitely would love to get, I've always wanted to go to Montana. Um, I burned my, uh, I burned my RV equity last summer with that damn trip. So I, that would have been like the ideal way to do it, but uh, so I'll still get out there sometime or at least Nashville, man. I like to go back to Nashville cause we were only there like a day and you know, we were kind of hustling out to Colorado, but um, uh, yeah. so- I get to Nashville, we get a little further out in the project. Maybe you can fly in and you all know, hang out for a night or two or something. Yeah, man. No, for sure. I'd really like to do that. I enjoy hanging out with you, man. I, I really enjoy talking to you, man. This is really cool and educational. And uh, I know you're a busy guy, so I'll let you roll. But I, I appreciate it a ton, man. It's a lot of fun. Thanks. Always good catching up. Absolutely. All right. Well, good luck this weekend. All right. We'll talk to you later. See ya.